millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The words I love you will use as a tool of deception. So you dove in head first without the use of discretion. Now depression got you moving in the useless direction. When you found out you was pregnant, the panic took over. Especially when you told him he acted like he didn't know you. Now the lowest you can feel you five levels below it. Fifteen with a child coming and your parents don't know it. Started stressing about the outcome and the possible shame. So you can find it in the classmate who had been through the same. You wasn't thinking clear, walking around in obvious fear. Gave you a number to a place to make a child disappear. Welcome to Right Lane, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. Each week, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses your stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Crillo, and I'm the Enterprise Editor at the Times. Joining us today on the podcast is Claire McNeil, another member of our Enterprise team. Claire is a really talented reporter, and if you haven't read any of her work yet, you'll want to start. She recently embarked on a challenge, and it's one that a lot of reporters take on or have an editor thrust on them. So we thought it would make a great podcast topic, today's topic, from issue to idea. So months ago, Claire came to me and suggested that we should do more on abortion, that clearly the topic was going to be big and that we need to understand what was happening in our state. So talk a little bit about that, because at that point, it was not a specific idea. It was a big noun. A topic. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So I had had an abortion-related story on my idealist for a year and a half on the higher ed beat that never came to fruition. But I had stumbled across a student group called Medical Students for Choice at USF, which was the university I was mainly covering. And I was always intrigued by that, um, that even now there was still a group that was proclaiming, you know, we want to be abortion providers and this is important, uh, which isn't something that you see with all medical specialties. So why with this was it still a a topic that they rallied around? And that kind of sat there for a while because there wasn't necessarily an impetus uh, to get over there. And USF had all kinds of other stuff going on. So um, nothing really came of it. But around the time of um, the Kavanaugh um, hearings for the Supreme Court, Maybe it was the people that I was following on Twitter or uh, just some of the underlying context about um, Roe v. Wade and would Kavanaugh be the decisive vote if an abortion case were to rise to the Supreme Court that I started thinking about this moment actually being a pivotal one for abortion in a way that maybe people weren't recognizing. And the way I approached it was blindly fumbling around for any kind of entry point into the idea. Um, first, kind of figuring out more broadly what was happening, right? Because you, how long have you been in Florida? Five years. Oh, and I've been here not quite two. And so I don't think either of us really knew much about sort of the state of things in Florida. I mean, what's the... I had no idea that Florida was seen as a kind of safe haven or outlier among the South. Um, 
elsewhere across the South, there have been a lot of restrictions lobbied and passed uh, or fought back and passed in later years that, while abortion is still accessible and legal, make it pretty difficult to get one, um, especially if you're traveling hundreds of miles to the state capitol or trying to scrounge together money for hotels so you can be there throughout the waiting period to get an abortion. And Florida just was not like that. Mm. And I that also made me wonder if we had a story at all because we seemed to be the place that had maintained access. But once I started interviewing um, some of the state-level activists, they told me that, no, this is actually a moment that could be a huge turning point for the entire South. So... Um Claire is relatively new to the enterprise team and was very twitchy because she was spending a lot of time trying to find out about this topic, right? And like Lane, this is all second nature to you now. Like you, you have a, okay, like you did the opioid crisis. Here's a crisis. Go find a story. And then it's spent, you spend a lot of time. Sometimes you're just, your wheels are going for a long time and you're trying to figure out what the hell the story is, right? Well, and I really commend you too for knowing this was going to be a thing. Like, I don't know exactly how old you are, but I'm a generation at least ahead above Claire. And I grew up never thinking that it could have, was a right that could be taken away. I thought, hell no, this is a, like, it's it's a given right. Roe v. Wade is a thing. It's never going to be overturned or go back. And I kind of missed that whole buildup to like, people are chipping away at this, you know, and now that we have Kavanaugh, maybe this is the time to turn this over. So I feel like you were on the forefront of this that some other people were thinking, oh, never, not here, not in Florida, that's not going to happen. Well, and this great, I mean, it's, it's, there's some, tension here because you this is you would expect that this state would be sort of falling in line with some of the other southern states um and yet it isn't that way it wasn't isn't quite i mean we're not certainly not like alabama or georgia or louisiana or any of these places one of the earliest clues that this was going to be a big story was how skittish people were talking to me i was talking to one abortion clinic in a college town and we had one great interview and she wanted to invite me up and then she called and canceled and i never heard from her again I talked to doctors who, even after four interviews, did not want to be on the record. I've talked to women who wanted to share their story but didn't want to put their names on it. And even official sources, uh, lawmakers who were involved, really, unless they were on the forefront of pushing bills on this, were really skittish. I remember Monica and I were sitting my reporting partner, who's also in the studio. But who uh, doesn't want to talk. Okay. <laughs> We were sitting in a committee hearing up in Tallahassee, and um, the only female Republican lawmaker on the committee, the moment the abortion bill that was being debated that day came up, she stood up and strode out of the room. And the moment that debate ended, she came right back in. And that didn't make it into our story, but it was just really telling that there are so many people who want nothing to do with this debate, and thus it's still really highly charged. It's been a very hard topic to get to get to get there. Yeah. So um, we were going to so we kicked off what we hope will be a series of stories. Um, what we expect will be Fingers a series crossed. of stories um, by uh, focusing on the state legislature this year when there wasn't a lot of drama. Comparatively speaking, it, Florida didn't go anywhere near what these other states have done. But um, so we, we were going to ask Claire to read the beginning of the story and sort of set up how, how sure. it'll tell you kind of how we approached it. I, I like how she turned the issue into a narrative. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Dateline Tallahassee. Turn out of the 11th floor elevator bank in the Florida State Capitol and the magenta carpet leads to the offices of two lawmakers who are running out of time. By this April morning, the year's legislative session has already ticked halfway past. Stalled bills teeter toward failure. 
In Suite 1102, by the door with the framed feminism poster, freshman Democratic rep Anna Eskamani knows her pro-choice proposal never had a chance. Across the hall in 1101, Republican rep Mike Hill tries not to get frustrated that his bill isn't gaining traction either. He's been following the same ban he proposed as it sweeps through Georgia, Ohio, Mississippi, outlawing abortions after a fetal heartbeat is detected as early as six weeks. Hill reminds himself to trust in God's timing. In hallways and on the House floor, Hill and Eskimani don't often speak. Abortion has long been an uneasy standoff in Florida, where a privacy clause in the state's constitution has fended off many of the restrictions that have shuttered clinics in other states. But politicians on both sides sense the turning tide, that the newly conservative U.S. Supreme Court may chip away at the right to terminate pregnancies or send the issue back to the states to decide one by one. Abortion foes across the country, after years of pushing incremental constraints, have launched a barrage of severe restrictions, some designed deliberately to dismantle precedent. In In Florida, a single abortion bill on parental consent creeps forward this year, but it has the potential to open the floodgates for many more. Hill and Eskimani are watching, and they can feel the ground moving. So nice. Nicely <laughs> done. It's, it's really um, lovely how you set up the stakes in the midst of all that. What's at stake for everybody? Well, and that's, I mean, I, I again, getting back to this notion of you, 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 pick, a, you pick a topic, which is a noun. We don't like nouns. We like verbs. You pick a topic, and you're diving in. You know, all that reporting that you did really helped. It helped inform this story. It'll help inform other stories. It really helped to have some authority going in, right? I mean, that's, um, and that even even though you got a little twitchy about, like, not having your byline in the Very paper. Very twitchy. <laughs> well, one of the big considerations with this story, given that we were nervous about it being a pretty shallow political back and forth, was finding the people who are going to tell it. And this in my, I mean, I went up to Tallahassee. I talked to a ton of lawmakers on the first trip up there, um, inclu- a lot of pro-choice, a lot of pro-life folks, if we're going to put them in those camps. And there are different factions within all of those groups, and people have different tactics within all of those groups. And so I had to think about, you know, who are the people who really exemplify this moment? And Hill and Eskimani definitely are the outliers. There are plenty of more moderate Democrats. There are many more moderate Republicans with different strategies, but these two really seem to me to set up where we're going, where you have later in the story Hill doing a press conference on this heartbeat bill that is sweeping the South, even though in Florida it's not really happening yet, and then Eskamani actually using her activism background to shout back at him, which is not a common scene in a state hall. So we we or we we ended up embracing these people as quote-unquote crusaders, that they were on the front lines. And as I was writing, I really tried to keep thinking about, okay, front lines put us in this place, and these are our, our people who are, you know, out there and the ones who we're really going to zero in on. It, it clicked with me when you started telling their backgrounds a bit, too. With, and I know people, that happens to me, too, that you're talking about an issue. We're talking about a law. We're in the state capital. Why do you need to know my background? Like, how hesitant were they to share their own backgrounds and motivations, because I thought that was a really strong and powerful part of the story. I think that one thing that was really working in our favor is that neither of these two, and I think they would both admit it, have a ton of power right now. Anna is a freshman. Um, Mike Hill is also early in his political career and being 
an outlier tea party guy. He also doesn't have a ton of consensus behind him. So we were able to get in their office, which was important, and then sit there. And once we were sitting there, they both really opened up. Um, Anna Eskimani is has a really interesting personal story, and she wanted to sit there and talk at length. So she was very, uh, very open to sharing where she came from and her work at Planned Parenthood, um, which is tough. You know, not a lot of people who work in uh, or around abortion necessarily want to go there with their entire history, and there's still a lot of fear around it. But she is pretty fearless when it comes to this stuff. So she was uh, pretty easy to get to open up. And then Mike Hill, he was happy to sit down with us and really wanted to talk first about his bill and where he comes from as an evangelical Christian. But then we started asking about, you know, how did you come to be a Christian? And can do you remember your first Bible? And having him bring us through those stories, his eyes lit up. And he talked and talked and talked. So that was the real, that was the real door opener. So the takeaways, maybe let them talk through their issues first mm-hmm. and then drill them down on their own personal connection or stories. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I find that once I show people that I'm writing down their, their basics, you know, here's your bill, why are you doing it, what is the consensus on the bill? Are you, is it moving? And once they see that I'm, I've gotten all of that and my pen is moving, then maybe they're a little more inclined to share more of their story um, because we've already talked through what is important to them and they hear that I'm listening. Um, But for both of them, I think the key was finding the personal issue that unlocked them. And for Representative Eskimani, she was, full on, you know, reproductive rights or health care, and here is my story about why. And for Mike Hill, it was, I'm a religious man, and this is my story. And so that was more of the underlying factor for him. I think it was, um, you know, it, they this is their cause. So, yes, that helped open the door. But um, uh, I think a lot of it is the time, right? I mean, just putting in the time, too, and being willing to sort of sit there. And, um, yeah, we got lucky in that they didn't have to beat other reporters away. You know, these aren't two people who are getting a lot of attention from everyone else. But but making the time and sitting there and you guys being able to be patient and and just, you know, and look around their offices and, you know, oh, you're reading that book or you got this going on. Yeah, and I think, you know, Letting people drive the bus at the beginning of the interview is really important because you want them to feel like they're getting out what they want or need to say before you start asking what you need to know. You know, I think a lot of times, I know when I was a young reporter, I would have my whole list of questions and I would like, here's what I need to know. But so it's important to put that time in and let them say what they think you should know first, you know. This topic is, um, 
I guess then there are other ones like that, but this has been very tricky because everybody is really anxious about what's going to be said or not said. And like Claret said, the, the whole tenor around the state is like, yeah, it's still, it's still happening a lot, but we don't want to talk about it. It's like kind of in denial. For sure. One thing that has been helpful in getting people to talk a little more is also telling them, you know, obviously we're going to cover the basics of what's happening and why, but we're also going to go deeper. And our goal is to probe beneath the political debate to the actual people that are driving this and why and where they came from. So I think for these two, understanding that we were going to tell a more full story was very appealing. Um, I know Mike Hill in the past has been kind of reduced to his Confederate monument proposals. And the headlines about him have mostly been that and not capturing where he actually came from and shaped his worldview. So he saw this as a way to actually share who he was. And I think Anna Eskimani in a similar way, um, she had shared her activist past in, in her campaign and that kind of thing. But for the topic of abortion, she really wanted to share her point of view that it's all about stories, like her mother's story, which comes later in the piece. That was a nice surprise. Yeah, a lot of times we cover the we cover issues at sort of a three thousand foot level, um, which is why it's hard then to kind of be handed. Well, whether you do it your, to yourself or whether you get handed the issue, then you know to start thinking about it. So, can we talk a little bit more about process? What like yes, learning going around, trying to understand, what else do you guys do? I mean, first, just becoming, trying to become subject experts. I read a lot. I have so many Google alerts. I have, <laughs> right now, my notes document for this project is at last check, 43 pages of single space, eight point font, which is just my reading. My interviews are in different documents. So I have um, an extremely, too, uh, it's too much. It's, but. I, that's how I can go into interviews feeling like we don't need to walk through the basics of how does an abortion procedure work and what are the right. laws that passed in these past years. You're that, doing your homework already. Yeah, going in with that makes people take you more seriously. Well, and there's so minute, such minutia to some of these laws too. I mean, even within the parental consent law, there's four or five different prongs of like how that's going to work or whether it's going to work. And, and so I applaud you for not digging in on that, which was the specific here for Florida that we were looking at, but to say this is a, just a piece of this overarching quagmire that we've found ourselves in as a nation right now. A big challenge for me is leaving my homework in that document and not bringing it into the story, but I... That's never a challenge for you, right? <laughs> that's a joke. That's a real... That's a joke. I... I definitely keep it on my desk in front of me when I'm writing, but I try to remind myself we've got info boxes and sidebars and I don't need to drag all of the back and forth. One thing that was helpful with this story is building a timeline that would run alongside it so I didn't have to go into the, you know, the legal history. And I did not want to bore people with this story that I was afraid people would write off as being an issue story instead of a people story. I think it's both. I think the timeline was really helpful. That was one of the first things I read when I flipped the page, just like I didn't understand the whole context within Florida. That was helpful. That homework is so, I, I, I mean, I know it's not a, it's not an always an interesting process. I think it can be a methodical process. And sometimes you're in the minutia, like in this, in this subject, you know, yeah, the parental, even understanding the parental consent laws or why they've done things in the past. But um, to me, it feels like you can't, can't write you can't go that next step and get deeper and write with authority if you don't understand 
you know, what, what this subject really is. So, I mean, when we're talking about going from an issue to an idea, first, it has to start with homework, right? It has to start with going out there and trying to figure out what even the, what, what's the story? Where are we headed? Yeah, and I don't know if you did this, and I've just started doing this after 30 years in the businesses, when I set up an interview with someone saying, do you have anything you want me to read ahead of time? Because mm. a lot of times they inundate you with stuff as you're leaving. Oh, you might want to look at this. You might want to check this out. You know, That's a good point. And I'm yeah, like, do it send it to time. me ahead of time, because then I can do my homework, and that way when we're chatting, I've got a lot more information going in than you have to take the time to go back and explain stuff like that. So. For sure. I, Monica and I got together to watch a documentary um, about the last abortion clinic in Mississippi. Um, I've sought out, I'm working on a story about Stonewall right now. I've got a book on my desk and I've watched the other documentary, the PBS documentary. I'm, I'm trying to really, I try to immerse myself so that when I go into reporting, I don't necessarily have a list of questions, but I've got this bank of knowledge that I can pull from. Um, to ask better questions. Doesn't that get also help you guys sort through, like, I don't want to do the story that's been told over here, or I don't want to do, you know, somebody else did it. So you're looking for the more original idea, the fresher idea. And for holes in stories. I, I've read literally hundreds of abortion stories now, and <laughs> even looking at the ones that go deeper into clinics or doctor's offices or women's homes, um, you can still see holes where the reporter either missed something or didn't get the access. And I'm not saying that I'm going to get perfect access for all of these things, but when you start to read a certain mass of, of stories about a topic, you can see the patterns or untold stories start to emerge. Um, I This is obviously, we're going to keep writing. We have other stories where we're leaning towards, and I think some of that some of that homework and some of that authority will come into play in other stories too. It's like, you know, you've got now, now Claire's kind of become our subject matter expert. Not that we don't, we have a health reporter, we have political reporters, but we really, I mean, I don't know, in the time I've been here, we haven't really tackled this subject as anything more than sort of a political debate, seems to me. I don't know, Lane, you've been here a lot longer, so. No, it's mostly been when something's come up in the legislature. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. I mean, I don't know. A lot of newsrooms have gotten smaller and they don't have the time to, to, to tackle some of this stuff. But I, I love this kind of story because I feel like it's like we, we talked about Eli Saslow's food stamp story as we were getting started, you know, like that kind of you, you really reveal like how things are not black and white, how, how messy an issue is, you know, by, by finding these ideas that really kind of bring it home. Um, and I like these, these two characters that, that you had in this story. It, they don't, they, they're like ships. They pass in the night. They, they have offices right next to each other. They don't really talk to each other. They probably learn more from each other, about each other from Claire's story than they ever did, like av- having a conversation, which is weird, isn't it? Like you ha- these are the people who are going to decide. They're going to legislate this stuff. They have very passionate, and they don't really talk to each other. They Stand just talk around each other. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> I guess that's the political process. But um, what, other, what other challenges you guys think of when you think about going from an issue to, to looking for a specific idea? off of that issue casting for characters if you want to use the word characters you know I think it's really it can be so difficult I, I worked on a story for a long time um, about black students at the University of Florida which is the flagship here in the state but has really dismal numbers of black students and um, I really wanted to capture that by talking to students and that took a really awkward day of walking around campus up at UF and saying, and Hey, you're black. I, <laughs> it was the, it, I know it's the weirdest conversation starter that I've had thus far reporting, but, um, that weird conversation then unlocked so many stories that right. just weren't being told. So 
that took an entire trip up there, but um, that idea would not have been a strong story without the actual people right. there. Um, mental health stories, again, you know, you can write about the system, but who are the people who can bring you into maybe some corner of the idea that you hadn't thought about before? So it, it takes time. It's just time. Do you have a pitch when you go up to them? Do you, do you like in your head say, you like practice your pickup line before you go? Yeah, but it never really comes out smoothly. <laughs> I, I usually go in and say I'm working on a story about X and I am just looking for anybody who can talk about their experience. And I leave it really open-ended because I don't want to implant the idea that I'm writing about the experience at UF, for instance, as being an inherently negative thing. I want to know all of it. Um, so leaving it open and then kind of guiding it from there. So to connect it to, doesn't the homework help you when you're casting for characters? Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. you come in prepared and people know that you're, you've actually, you're not just winging it. And, and I think for me, it's also trying to decide what do I need from my character, you know, ahead of time, you know, do I just need whoever will talk to me or do I need someone who's really willing to go deep and be thoughtful about it? Or do I want somebody who's just reactionary because they're just, representative of a certain demographic of people who don't think about it but react a certain way you know one of the best source finding um, avenues is talking to activists on both sides of the issue so not just the um, kind of information organizations or academics but getting on the ground and finding the organizers because they're the ones who are connecting with the actual people experiencing whatever you're writing about so um, for instance we've connected with a woman who helps raise money for other women to get abortions. And she's um, really connected in this world in a way that a lot of even these legislators have no idea. They just don't get down to that granular level. So for future stories, that's something we're hoping to keep looking at. Okay. So we will um, we will put the link to the full story on the podcast. Uh, if you have question for... Claire or for Lane or want to suggest a podcast topic, please email it to writelane at tampabay.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-L-A-N-E at tampabay.com. Join us next week on Wednesday morning for the next podcast. This podcast was produced by Monica Herndon, who also shot pictures for that story and is on this project, so you'll see her work there as well. Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory. Thanks for listening. 